chance to feel like heroes too Forever we'll win And if we should lose We know someday we'll go all the way Yeah, someday we'll go all the way Welcome back to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest is uh, a returning guest. We haven't had him on here in a while, but uh, Randall J. Sanders, who is at Randall J. Sanders on Twitter. And yeah, we're just catching up on the Cubs as they head into this final stretch. Um, we recorded this before the Twin Series, but a lot of the problems are still the same. The bats are not producing. The pitching has been pretty good, but without that offense, it's it's been tough. I will also add that uh, Rowan Wick had to go in the DL, so the once really strong-looking bullpen is a little weaker, but it's still been pretty good. So here is Randall. Randall? Yes. Welcome back to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm always glad to have you on. Thanks for having me. So I guess I'll get right into this. Um, you know, Cubs playing a lot better since a crazy couple of days this last weekend in Milwaukee. But how do you feel about the Cubs right now? You know, right now it's easy to feel good about the Cubs. They've won some very key games over the last uh uh, half week or so, and um, they've they've won some games they needed to, and it looked like all, all the way through to the ninth inning in the Saturday game in Milwaukee, it seemed like they were headed for uh, another rough final weeks, and it all turned around when Jason Hayward stepped up there and did his thing. So as much as they can be right now, they are in a pretty good fa- a pretty good uh, place. Yeah, and I guess we'll just, if people don't know, uh, Jason Hayward hit a three-run home run against Josh Hader. Previously, I think he'd blown one save, but they hadn't, they won that game against the Pirates. But he'd been on absolute fire as the Brewers' closer. And Jason Hayward, who's been great all season long, hit a go-ahead home run, and then Hildemaro Vargas, who had just been added to the team, and like a very, I mean, would you say the most improbable home run against Josh Hader, that this utility bench guy, but he cranked the long home run, and then Craig Kimbrell actually closed out a game. And the Cubs won, and I mean, very unlikely scenario. It, it's certainly not what you expected to happen as they went into that ninth inning, especially as Schwarber struck out as the leadoff man trying to bunt. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you're just thinking, "Gosh, we've seen this movie before a hundred times." Um, but Baez did a, a great job to to reach base. Rizzo did an equally great job to reach base. He took that. Uh, lone outside pitch and managed to hook it into right. And what else can you say? Jason Hayward came up next, and you certainly don't count on uh, even a great left-handed batter 
Uh, and we can debate as to how great of a left-handed batter Jason Hayward is this year or otherwise. But you certainly don't count on any left-handed batter uh, going up there and doing damage against Hayter, much less perhaps the best possible outcome in that situation. So it is certainly unlikely. It was certainly improbable. But it was great to see just the same because this team has had uh, a habit a little bit of uh, lying down and going quietly in those spots. And even when they haven't, they've had an unfortunate habit of not coming through in a couple of big spots. So it was nothing short of gratifying to see them do that in that spot against that pitcher. And then, of course, the next day, the very, you know, usual game where Alec Mills pitched the contact guy, usually goes six innings tops, throws a no-hitter. So, yeah, totally normal couple days. Again, it's, it's certainly not what you expect. Uh, but that was, that was quite a, uh, a sports day here in Chicago this previous Sunday. Uh, we had the Bears coming back from a large deficit against the Lions and not uh, an hour or an hour and a half or so after that game finished, uh, uh, Alec Mills completed a no-hitter. There was a lot going on on that Saturday. Um, and it, as you said, you certainly don't count on Alex Mills to uh, go out there and throw a no-hitter. A guy who pitches to contact, um, not a big strikeout guy. There's just so many chances for a ball to sneak through or to bloop in there and give the opposing team at least one hit. So you certainly don't count on these pitch-to-contact guys going out there and managing to get every contact uh, able to find a glove. But Alec Mills was good enough, and he was a little bit lucky enough, and he was able to complete it. And uh, you certainly can't help but feel happy for him. Len mentioned it multiple times on the broadcast, a former collegiate walk-on and his 15th or 16th big league start. And he goes out there and he throws a no-hitter. So as you said... Uh, a perfectly normal Sunday in Major League Baseball. But yeah, it, it, I mean, this is a guy, one complete game in his minor league career, let alone the major leagues. It's just, yeah, just amazing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they, they mentioned that on the broadcast as well. Uh, Jim Deshays did his, uh, his one, one career complete game uh, as a professional and he was pitching an A-ball at the time. Uh, It's just so improbable. And if you look at some of the no-hitters and even some of the perfect games thrown uh, in recent years and throughout MLB history, obviously you have uh, a lot of pitchers who made a name for themselves or would go on to make a name for themselves, but you have a smattering of these guys whom nobody would expect. uh, Sometimes they don't even expect success from, much less to go out there and to keep a lineup of major league hitters off base um, or from getting a hit over the course of nine innings. Um, we're talking a guy like Philip Philip Umber for the White Sox. Um, Edwin Jackson, old friend, who pitched a no-hitter with, uh, was it seven walks mm-hmm. some years ago? Something and, like that. And as, of course, as great uh, performances as the no-hitters and the perfect games by some of the games great pitchers have been, sometimes it's even more interesting to see these uh, see these journeyman pitchers do it, to see these young, unheralded pitchers do it, or to see pitchers do it who have not accomplished a whole lot else in their career. Um, so sometimes that can be uh, an even more compelling story than having the guy with the 98-mile-an-hour fastball 
go out there and strike out 14 in a no-hitter. That's right. So, you know, you know, Alec Mills, no-hitter. Greg Maddox, never threw a no-hitter. Uh, you know, uh, stay, hope, hopefully he's able to stay in the Cubs organization and perhaps meet Greg Maddox someday. And you would hope that Alec Mills has the comedic presence of mind to go up and shake Greg Maddox's hand. Uh, Mr. Maddox, a big fan of yours. Tell me, how many no-hitters did you throw in your Hall of Fame career? Exactly. Now, then they moved to a couple games with Cleveland and two more walk-off wins. But I think the most impressive part of the whole thing is, is their bullpen kind of good? You know, bullpens, and I, I always say this, bullpens can be a very fickle thing um, week to week, month to month. Uh, and especially in this short season where uh, bullpen hiccups are going to be magnified tenfold. But uh, a bullpen, I don't want to say I trust the bullpen because I'm smarter than to jinx it like that. So knock on wood. Uh, sorry, Travis. But uh, you don't feel quite, quite as nervous watching certain guys come out of the bullpen. And again, knock on wood, but they seem to have sorted a few things out to the point where uh, guys that Ross was giving auditions to earlier in the season have sort of established a hierarchy. And Ross uh, now has uh, a stable of relievers that he can at least uh, attempt to uh, put trust in in a number of situations. So I I think um, some of them are going to get perhaps caught up to eventually, and you would hope it's uh, not anytime soon. But for right now, they are, as often as not, more often than not, able to go out there and get the needed outs with some traffic and some hiccups in some key games. You know, so you say knock on wood and hope against everything that it's going to happen. And, yeah, hopefully things keep going. But as of right now, it's okay. But I thought I'd ask you about a sensitive subject that is it everyone on here pretty hard the past 24 hours and it's uh john lester who went five innings in the game on wednesday night but after the game some pretty heavy comments about could this be his last game ever at wrigley field with a start and yeah i don't know what to say but he did a lot very proud of everything he's done and best signing Cubs could have ever made. You know, I I attempted to convey my thoughts on this subject on Twitter uh, prior. I don't know that you can ever truly say enough about what John Lester did for this team and and this organization. Um, when a, a player, when a, a highly a sought after player makes the decision to come play for the team you root for, um, it feels good. Uh, it feels vindicate. It feels vindicating in a sense that that this player has seen what your organization has to offer, and he has uh, chosen to spend what is usually a, a good chunk of his life, and in Lester's case, most of the rest of his baseball career, possibly the rest of his baseball career, from the time he signed, and it, it felt good at the time for him to recognize that this was an organization on the rise, and to make the decision to come play in Chicago and hopefully help them get to the top. And you can't say enough about 
what John Lester did for this roster and for uh, the culture of this team. It was a signal that they were ready to win. It was not terribly long, maybe three weeks to a month after they had signed Joe Madden, which was another great sign. And to see that this highly touted free agent pitcher, this this sought-after free agent pitcher, had chosen the Cubs because of what he saw in them, um, it was a signal that this was an organization that was ready to go out and do great things. And over the years, he's been uh, a rock in that rotation. He's been uh, an influence in that clubhouse. I'm sure uh, when the time comes, Rizzo will have no end of good things to say about him as a, a friend and uh, a mentor. David Ross, of course, I'm sure will have a thing or two to say. Um, having uh, been in a clubhouse with Lester in multiple capacities. And Lester has at all times come off as an individual who is happy and proud to have played for the Chicago Cubs and to have helped them accomplish something that the organization had not accomplished in over a century. And I, I can't say enough about the appreciation I have for him and for the body of work he has done as a Chicago Cub if, in fact, that body of work is uh, a month or five weeks away from concluding. Yeah, you know, I was trying to think of what I would say, too, and it's, you got a guy here that just, he always battled. No matter what he had, if he had the good stuff on the day or the bad stuff, you knew you'd get max effort from him. He just gave him everything they could have wanted. I mean... I read the story in the um, Jeff Passan, friend of the podcast, book about the arm. And this was a guy who had a bone spur in his elbow. And they found out about it before, right before he signed. Cubs knew about it. He knew about it. He said it wasn't going to bother him. He could pitch through it. They still signed him. And he made it through the contract with no injuries. It was just amazing. Yeah, you know, Lester, for uh, an individual who is towards the back end of his career, he, for the most part, has been uh, pretty durable. And, you know, being being older, he's a little more susceptible to the occasional strain, the occasional pull, and that's put him on the shelf a few times. But if you look at his uh, number of starts made over the last, or in his, in his time as a Cub, uh, number of games started, 32, 32, 32, 31. And obviously this year, 10, and this year has its own mitigating circumstances, but never less than 31 starts in uh, all of his full seasons as a Chicago Cubs. So that is six of his seven seasons, seven full seasons as a Cub with no fewer than 31 starts. Uh, so for all the concerns about those, that uh, bone spur in his elbow, and I recall that, uh, one of the reporters uh, was very... I don't want to say happy, but he, he seemed very pleased with himself for reporting it at the time. Um, like you said, it, it never did put him on the shelf for how long you might think a bone spur in the elbow would for certain pitchers. Uh, and he, 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 again, that durability is part of what made him uh, the asset to this team that he was. Yeah, so obviously we'll move on from Lester. Well, again, hopefully we're going to make one more start in the playoffs, although I don't know if I trust him in the playoffs right now, but playoff Lester's good, though. Even a diminished Lester, you got to think playoff Lester 
would still be good. Uh, you know, as difficult as it is, I do agree with you. Um, Lester at times has been, um, he, he's had some rough outings this season. And of course, in the this season already, you can only uh, afford so many bad starts in the playoffs. Obviously, that is going to be magnified even further uh, from where it is now, as it always is. Um, so as difficult as it is to, hand, to have that conversation, you could certainly have that discussion. Is Lester one of your best four starters in the playoffs? And I am inclined to think that he probably is, um, but especially if they intend to move Quintana to the bullpen for the remainder of the season once he comes off the injured list. Um, but, you know, that's, that's, the, uh, that's the struggle of having a, uh, a, favorite, uh, a favored, beloved player who perhaps isn't necessarily what he once was, is the question of how far do you trust him, how much responsibility can you give him, and how do you balance the respect uh, that a veteran like that deserves with what's best for the team. And I'm always glad that it is not that it is my station to react to those decisions and not to make those decisions. Well, yeah, and having been, we have this proposed um, playoff format that's no off days, which is going to strain a lot of teams that don't have five starters, including uh, the Cubs. It, it is. So, yeah. it, it's going to make things uh, different from what we're used to in the playoffs, and it's going to make things a lot more difficult. And I, I don't know the veracity of this, but I believe I saw one of the national reporters pointing out that uh, teams claimed they were not aware of this rule change as they were making trade deadline deals and plans. And that, to me, seems crazy. Again, I don't know how accurate it is, but that, to me, seems crazy that MLB might have implemented this in early September, in mid-September, without teams having been informed prior. And so a lot of teams who were looking ahead to the playoffs and their potential rotation just had those plans altered dramatically. Uh, and I guess that's baseball in 2020 in, in a sentence is they had their plans altered dramatically. Yes. But as you said, it is going to strain the rotation of uh, a lot of teams who don't necessarily have four deep in the rotation. Yeah, I, I, I can't believe Rob Manfred would do something that was not quite done right. Uh, it's it's unfathomable. Certainly, the first time it's ever happened. So I'll ask you a little bit about the um, Cubs' offense. And yeah, it's, if you told me going into this that Baez, Bryant, Rizzo, and Schwarber would all be, what would what would you say, massively underperforming? Not up to their respective career standards, and in some cases, um, underperforming, perhaps is the the charitable, the the diplomatic term. Uh, I think it's I think it's fair to say. I think it's okay to say. I think people know that we are uh, not, not ripping on these players. We're we're just reading the stats and watching the games and saying what we see. Uh, actively bad at times. The the approaches haven't quite been there as far as plate appearances. Um, sometimes swinging at pitches way outside of the zone, swinging poorly at pitches that deserve to be pummeled. Um, a lot of a lot of players this team was counting on simply have not performed up to their standards, and I think they would tell you as much. Um, yeah. Fias talking to the media following uh, Tuesday night's game, following Tuesday night's game, that uh, Baez and Rizzo and the other hitters have gotten together and they've discussed with each other uh, changing their approach 
um, in certain spots where they might not uh, otherwise, where they might not have otherwise done that in a normal season. Um, certain other things were different because they all understand that they have not been uh, their perhaps their true selves this season, and that right now this team winning games is more important perhaps than anyone's individual numbers in a shortened season. So certainly give them credit for understanding and acknowledging that they haven't quite been uh, what the team has needed from them this year. And you certainly hope that with the remaining uh, week, week, week and a half or so, that some of these players can maybe pick it up a little bit and find something positive to take into the, hopefully, playoffs with them. Mm -hmm. No, but I mean, if you had told me that, though, and asked me to predict the Cubs' record, uh, 10 games over 500 would not have been on the list. No, no. If someone had told us, uh, if someone had told us that prior to this this uh, crazy season, that all those players would struggle, and you show us our, their season lines up to this point, the predictions would not have been favorable. So uh, credit uh, the starting pitching at times for this team. Credit some of the role players and some of the bench guys who have able to come through, been able to come through and been productive. Uh, so you know this team isn't a particularly deep team. But they managed to find just enough depth to weather struggles from uh, a lot of very important players. So good, good for them. And uh, again, the team is in about as good a spot as you could hope for, given some of those struggles over the course of the season. So I guess I'll, I'll ask you here, any preference for this mess that is the rest of the NL Central? Somebody has to finish second. And make the playoffs. Do they though? Do they? I know. Um, you know, I've I've watched just enough of the sport to know that it's not good to have a preference because mm-hmm. you, you never know what's going to happen. Um, I remember. I I don't know if the 2007 Diamondbacks were necessarily a preference uh, in the National League Division Series that year, but I do remember thinking that that was a team that the Cubs could handle. Uh, quite could could handle easily, and you know, of course, and then what happened? So it, yep. it's for for me, I'm content to worry about the Cubs getting there, which they're in good good shape to do, and let the rest fall where it may. Mm-hmm. Um, just because opponent shopping never seems to go well. It doesn't matter who you think your team matches up well against. It doesn't matter who you think your team um, might not have a prayer against. It, it, I'm, I'm good with just letting it develop as it will, and uh, whoever the Cubs end up uh, end up playing in that hopeful first round, they can uh, I can I can lock in on them with my my uh, loud, angry, laser focus on whoever they play. Yes, I think that's probably the safest strategy and one I've always used. I mean, lest we forget, oh, the Marlins, that'll be great. No problem with them. And, you know, you know this year's Marlins, and I, I'm, I'm not taking my own advice here from just a moment ago, I don't know that I would want to see them in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Not because I think they are especially good, but I think it is one of those teams that perhaps doesn't realize that they're mm-hmm. playing a little bit over their heads, and sometimes that can be just as dangerous. A team that maybe doesn't doesn't know and doesn't care that they're overachieving a little bit. The Marlins, they had to replace half their roster 
a week, a week and a half into the season, and somehow they are in a favorable playoff spot. Um, so I, again, as I said, in the playoffs, sometimes that team that doesn't know or doesn't care that they are playing a little bit over their heads can be just as dangerous as the the in a normal season, 100-win number one seed, because they know they have absolutely nothing to lose. It's all house money. You know, I was just thinking about it. If they made the playoffs any year other than when they won, you know, the, those two years? The Florida-slash-Miami Marlins have exactly two playoff appearances, I believe. I'm, I'm going to double-check this to make sure I don't uh, say something completely inaccurate here. But I believe that the... Florida slash Miami Marlins have exactly two playoff appearances, and they were both as wild cards. Uh, both as wild cards, and both as eventual World Series winning teams. Uh, which is that sort of thing. It, it boggles it boggles the mind. That is that is correct. Um, wow. And in fact, in fact, the Miami slash Florida Marlins they have never won their division. They have never won the National League East. And they have reached the playoffs only twice, both as wild cards, and of course they've gone to win the World Series both times. So it, it's a franchise that defies often any and all logic, and I would just as soon stay away from that kind of dark yeah, magic. Now, now, you know, after everything we just said, I am now terrified of the Marlins. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't mean to have that effect on people, but it's, it's in the back of all of our minds. We are all uniquely damaged just enough. Um, for that to creep in, and I am perfectly content to let them play somebody else in mm -hmm. a potential first round, and let uh, let's see what the playoff bracket would look like if it ended today. Um, if the season were to end today, the five seeded Miami Marlins would play the four seeded uh, San Diego Padres in that first round. I believe let those two teams duke it out and potentially take mm -hmm. little pieces out of one another. Let let the rest of the National League watch that series from afar. Um, kind of like in a cartoon, two characters get into a fight and it just becomes like a whirlwind of dust. Yeah. A whirlwind of dust with the occasional limb sticking out here and there. Mm -hmm. Let the rest of the National League watch those two teams go at it um, and see how both of these teams uh, perform in the playoffs. As you said, I want no part of that in the first round. Yes, alright. So I will ask um, one more question. What are you looking for these final ten games of the Cup season? You know, I'm just looking for them to play play like we know they're capable of and beat some teams that they should. Um, the Twins, of course, are a uh, uh, the Twins, of course, are a good ball club. That team can hit. That team can pitch. Um, so, you know, this weekend, I don't, I certainly don't expect it to be a cakewalk, because as, as I said, the Twins are a, a good team. But the Cubs do have games coming up with the Pirates, and so far this season, they have handled the Pirates pretty well. And we all know that in seasons past, it was often the Cubs' inability to beat some of the worst teams or some of the middling teams that ended up being their downfall. But after this weekend three-game set with the Twins, the Cubs go to Pittsburgh for four uh, those are all standard night games, except for the fourth and final game, which is a normal day game. So there's no schedule shenanigans. Um, there's no 
ball games being played at odd hours. And what I'd like to see is just the Cubs play a team like the Pirates, as we know they're capable of doing, um, to stick to, to, to really work on those at-bats against some of these Pirates pitchers who, by virtue of the team they're on, you know might not necessarily be uh, the best talent being run out there, to continue doing good work on the mound against some of these Pirates hitters who, again, by virtue of the team they're on, you know that they aren't necessarily the the best players in the run out there, to continue doing good work on the mound against some of these Pirates hitters who, again, by virtue of the team they're on, you know that they aren't necessarily the, the best players in the league. So I'd like to see the Cubs play as we know they're capable of playing against a team like the Pirates to, to uh, play their final final series of the season outside of Chicago. Of course, they come back to play the White Sox for three to finish the season. So that's really what I'd like to see is just, just remind us that the Cubs are a good team and are capable of playing well against lower competition. That's what I'd like to see. All right. So I will ask you. Plug some of your, I mean, you still do the audio clips. You've got Pat, he's called the no-hitter. So if someone hasn't heard that yet, you should uh, look up Randall's Twitter. But I'll just have you plug anything you're working on. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that I have a, a whole lot that I'm working on necessarily. Um, as you said, I do post the occasional uh, occasional uh, audio clip with, with some video. Um I, I still continue my uh, my work at uh, Numbers MLB, where we track and report on uh, MLB jersey numbers, as the name would suggest. And a little more recently, we, uh, uh, me and a few others have started an account called uh, MLB Closed Captioning, that's at MLB underscore CC, where we highlight some of the more interesting uh, closed captioning issues that MLB's in-house video is experiencing this year mm-hmm. with their uh, their talk-to-text algorithm on some of these. Um, some of them, the the mistype of the mistyping is understandable. Uh, a player's name may be sounding like a, a series of certain other words. Some of them absolutely boggle the mind as to how this name or these words could have ended up transcribed as this sentence. And we are just having a little bit of fun and hoping, hopefully, giving people some laughs. Uh, highlighting some of these in uh, an otherwise bizarre season. Um, and so hopefully people are enjoying that. And again, that's MLB closed captioning at MLB underscore CC. All right. Well, Randall, thank you as always for coming on. Uh, it's been been fun. Hopefully the Cubs keep playing good. Uh, Sean, thank you for having me as always. Go Cubs. And uh, hopefully... Uh, you and uh, many of the other fan uh, podcast hosts and uh, fan reporters and fan bloggers, hopefully we are all enjoying discussion of a division title in uh, not too long. That would be nice. As always, you can find me at STH85 on Twitter. You can email the podcast, holycowpod at gmail.com. And, you know, I really encourage you to rate and review my podcast on the Apple Podcast app. Just look up Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast on Apple. And when you're on there, yeah, just rate and give it a review. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I'd like to know that people listening and enjoy the podcast and getting some pretty good listening on it. But 
if I could get some feedback and I might make some changes, you know, make it a better podcast. But uh, we got the playoffs coming, I'm pretty sure, despite these last two games that Cubs are on the way to the playoffs. And I will have a playoff preview and let's see how this crazy year finishes.